Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Cody Paulson, coming to you from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra Beach. You can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. Our other hosts for this episode are Nick Face, coming to us from Reading, Massachusetts, and Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine. Nick, how are you doing tonight, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? I'm doing great, Cody. Thank you for asking. Uh, the fans can find me on Twitter at FaceTheFacts15. Excuse me, X. I keep scrolling it's, that it's up. It's Twitter, I, Nick. It's Twitter. I, I, it is. It is Twitter. And the URL is still Twitter. Terry, how are right. you doing? Don't call it Twitter because Elon might block you. But um, that's true. So I can be found uh, on Twitter at Cushman MLB. I forgot to tell you, Cody. Um, I had a just a random guy in my Uber that currently lives in. Um, Ponta Vedra Beach or however you say it. But he's originally from Chicago and he's a Cubs guy, so he had a nice conversation about the Cubs the whole time. Yeah, and I had a a minor leaguer uh, from the Cubs and he bounced around to a couple of systems. I didn't get his name because it was like 20 years ago, so there was no way I was going to be familiar with him, but that was just a couple days ago. And he was bagging on me for all my... Because I got a Red Sox plate on the front of my mm. car and then uh my keychain uh, obviously red Sox. so uh yeah so that's all going on so we got some hot takes tonight and uh we got some good ones uh that we're going to react to yeah it's hot take tuesday so you know no time like the present nick why don't you lead us off with your first hot take of the evening yeah the oven sizzling on this one because of my love of the 2004 red Sox. This lovely person on X said L is actually uh, the, the username is El Gran Dictator says Arius is the Orlando Cabrera 2023 trade. I can't I can't stand for that. I can't. I, you know, when Nomar was out of here and you got Orlando Cabrera, Doug Mankiewicz and Dave Roberts. I remember I was in tears that day when Nomar left and everything. And it, it took a lot to see that franchise star leave for Orlando Cabrera, who at the time was coming from the Montreal Expos. Didn't really know much about him. But what I remember from the Cabrera days when he was here for 2004 was a guy that was an electric style player. He took over and was a very steady shortstop for the Red Sox and helped get that team their first World Series uh, in 86 years. He was somebody that fans grew to trust. And I feel to still to this day that the Red Sox made that wrong move on putting Renteria uh, for, in the offseason, signing him and not choosing to stick with Cabrera. Needless to say, I very much so disagree with that take. There is no way Arias is anywhere near a Cabrera standard from that. Maybe if there's a World Series one, I'll agree on that, but I can't take that right now. I can't take it. Terry, what are your thoughts? Well, I was just pulling up El Gran Dictator's uh, profile, and uh, he's a certified chicken wings expert, so I wish I could get a job doing that. 
He's also a Medvedev fan because his uh, cover photo has a um, a match win over Nadal. So uh, he's a little all over the road with the sports, but I don't really I don't get the correlation of his of his hot take. Um, you know, we traded Nomar for Cabrera, like Nick said. So I still don't know who we traded for Urias. <laughs> Uh, you know, a low-level minor leaguer, so it's we're a little off there. Um, this team doesn't have its Pedro or its Kurt Schilling, in which Urias is is joining. Um, so uh, it, just a little bit of a miss. And the Bluminati has been like raving all over Urias for his two Grand Slams. Well, guess what? Grand Slams are the easiest home runs to hit because the pitcher has to pitch to you and they say in most at bats you're only truly ever going to have one pitch to hit but that's not true in this case you're probably going to have multiple chances to do it and so uh Urias went deep put a couple of four spots on the board uh in those innings and and good for him for doing it but I'm not seeing a a guy that's really going to be that impactful and he only played, let's see, one game this series. Like his grand slam was so epic. Core didn't even start him the next game in game three. So I I don't know where else I can go with Urias and Orlando Cabrera, but uh yeah. I I, I appreciate, you know, the participation though from Mr. Dictator. Yep, always appreciate everybody commenting with their with their hot takes. Um, you know, not a lot of meat left on this bone. There's no fan favorite. There's no homegrown talent. There's no perennial AL MVP batting title contender that is being shipped out in in replacement for for Urias, right? So uh, it's kind of hard to draw the comparisons, but you know, maybe the comparison will be that Urias was the trade that helped spark something and get this team over the hump and back into the postseason and, and a deep run. Uh, with that being said, Terry, what was the, uh, what was your hot take for the evening? So mine comes from the dark Lord of rednecks. It's a big night for, uh, Annan accounts that are, uh, submitting the hot takes, but those are the best ones. So that's the ones we're going with. Let's pull up his profile here. He's from Texas and wants to leave. I don't know why. No state income tax. But And Cody, you seem to like it well enough in Houston. But um, but yeah, that's all, uh, that's all the information we have on Mr. Lord of uh, Rednecks. I, Mookie didn't set us back. I mean, last year we were kind of home run starved. Like we didn't have the long ball, but we were still pretty highly ranked uh, in extra bases, doubles, runs scored, uh, average, you know, hitting at a pretty good clip through at least like halfway through August. So the thing that set us back has been starting pitching every year. It, we've had a hell of a time with our rotation, uh, whether they're just not pitching well, whether they can't stay healthy. The bullpen actually hasn't been super great outside of uh, 2021, I think we had the number 17th ranked bullpen in MLB that year. Um, we're 
trending uh, a little bit better than that this year, but it doesn't have a lot to do with Mookie Betts. Uh, the offense has been adequate uh, basically since 2020, so I don't think that's hurt us too bad. Nick? Yeah, it's too hard to tell on that one right there. I mean, 10 years, what is Mookie's last year here, 2019? So that would be in 2029. We'd have to come back to this lovely take and see if this person is actually right or not. Um, like Terry said, it's pitching and then the injury bug has really gotten the Red Sox since you know 2020 and everything. That's what set us back the most. I, I miss Mookie very much so. I think he was an entertaining player that fans loved and appreciated, and he was a one-in-a-million one in kind of talent. Five-tool player that could do just so many, so much good. If I could reverse it in a way, I would have kept Mookie as my guy and Devers and Xander I would have said you know goodbye to. But I don't run the Red Sox. It's a decision that was made, and we have to sit here and we have to accept it, and we have to figure out how to win with what we have. So, again, just wake me up when it's 2029. We'll figure out if this take was right or not, and we'll go from there. I don't even know what being sent back 10 years would even look like, right? I mean, does that mean we're just playing gutter ball for 10 years? I mean, we've had competitive seasons. Yes, the starting rotation has held us back. But, you know, this is a player we can beat a dead horse. Did he want to stay? Did he not? We've seen conflicting reports. Some say that he did want to stay. Others said that he was looking to leave, wanted to test free agency. We'll never know. But in order to get off of some of the contracts that we were able to get off of, and, and you know, thank you again to Los Angeles for doing that to, for us, you got to attach some value, and Mookie happened to be that player. You know, I think this team is, in my opinion, headed in a better direction. We at least have a clear idea of where this, where this team is headed. And yeah, you know, it was dark for a long time. Sure. You know, it, some are saying it's still pretty dark out, but 10 years does seem like a lot. I'm not really sure I can, uh, I can agree with this take, but you know, we always appreciate the interaction and much like Nick said, we'll, uh, we'll check back in another six years and see how we're doing. Terry, over to you. Yeah. Just real quick on Mookie. He was phenomenal on a Wednesday night against the Orioles. Terrible on an October night. Just a complete no-show. Uh, that's number one. And number two, my least favorite player of all time in Red Sox history, at least during my lifetime, was sent away in that deal. David Price. So, can't hate the trade. Man, to get the the tag of least favorite Red Sox player of all time being David Price's, there there could be a hot take right there. That's something that we could definitely talk about in, in the future. Were, were you a Price guy? You weren't you weren't around back then, so. Uh, I I didn't really have issues with Price. Okay. You know, I was okay. sick of him beating us up in Tampa Bay, doing it to us when he was in Toronto and in Detroit. So when we got him, I was like, cool. If nothing else, he's not doing it to us. Um, he never really rubbed me the wrong way. You know, he got over his postseason hiccups with us in 18. So I was, I was good with him. Okay, um, fair enough. He's, he's a top five for me, Terry. I would, I never was a big David Price guy, but he's not number one. And that's Sandoval for me. <laughs> I was going to say, you got Sandoval and Crawford at the very least that have to yeah, be higher than. You know who another one, a sneaky one in that list is for me? Because he came so, like, advertised. He's going to be great and everything. You guys remember Bobby Jenks? 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, we had him. Uh, what a joke. We got Joel Hanrahan. Oh, don't worry. Hanrahan's going to take over. He'll be fine. And then it turned Andrew into Andrew Bailey. Yeah, yep. he went down yep. right after. He was Hanrahan. a likable guy, at least. He was a likable guy. He seemed guy. to try hard. Yeah. And then he was a Mark Molasson couldn't figure it out either. Yeah, he couldn't. That's another one. Yep. Anyways, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a that would make for an interesting show. Sure would. Um, my hot take for my first hot take comes from uh, CLCTS in four. I'm reading that out loud. Celtics in four. Um, their hot take is Yoshida is average at best. And, you know, sure, the jury's still out, right? We're, what, two-thirds of the way through the season. But, man, if this is the quote-unquote average at best, sign me up for this for however long he wants to play. The guy's batting 300, 13 home runs, 60 RBIs, puts the ball in play constantly, keeps the strikeout numbers down. Plays pretty good left field defense for a guy that wasn't advertised as, as a strong defender. It's one of the harder outfield uh, positions to play. Doesn't miss a lot of time, makes adjustments when adjustments have been made against him. I've been very impressed with his performance so far. And if this is the average, uh, I'll gladly take it. And even if he regresses a little bit, right, you know, he still has some room to give, we'll say, quote unquote, and still have satisfactory offensive production. So uh, average at best is is a take that I just can't get behind, I think, Um He's an above-average hitter at the very least. We can call him an average defender, sure. But I think the money is, in the long-term, knock on wood, going to be well spent. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in the same camp as you, Cody. Come on with this one. This was such a stretch. Why don't you just hit somebody right in the you know, gonads when they're not doing the best and having a little bit of a slump in the past week or two? Yoshida has exceeded so many expectations for this team. I mean, look at what the GM said before this whole signing even happened. Oh, what a joke that contract is. Oh, what an overpay, yada, yada, yada. And he's ended up being such a steady presence in this lineup and as a member of this team. He puts the ball in play. He gets the job done. The one thing, if you want to hope for a little bit of an improvement, is, again, this is his first year in the league. It's the adjustment to Major League Baseball. Fatigue is the big thing with him. And I was actually happy in a way that they sat him down a little bit for this that past series against the Nationals because I think he's banged up a little bit. I think he's playing through something, and I think they need to get him into the best path they can to get him healthy. So I think overall, just from what we've seen from him, I still think the sky's the limit on what you can do with him. And I'm actually excited to see what he can do as the season goes on and into year two, three, four from now, because I think he's an exciting player to root for. And I think he fits exactly what the Red Sox are looking for. Before I give my take without looking, what do you think his war is? You're on mute, Cody. You're on mute. I think. Sorry, I've been horrendous at calculating war. Uh, maybe 1.3. Nick, any guesses? Nick's looking, I can tell. No, no. I'm trying to think. I think he's between a 1.3 to a 1.6, something in that ballpark. Well, you guys are pretty much on the money. It's a, it's a 1.5 war, and I, I was expecting it to be a full point above that. 
and war for the casual uh, fan is just wins above replacement and 0.0 is you're just, you know, you're kind of an average player, a 1.0, you're a little bit above average. And when you get to the point where you're a three war, a four war, that means you're, you know, you're a, a really good player. And I've also seen another, um, I don't know if you can call it a stat, but for every one point you are, you're worth $7 million, roughly, is what I've heard. So if you're a two-war player, you're worth 14. So Yoshida's a a 1.5. I was expecting before I looked it up to see a 2.5. Now, for the hot take, um, I already forget the person's name, but... um, for the hot taker to say he's an average player, that's a huge stretch. Now, well, I, I shouldn't say huge stretch. It is a stretch. And I, in a slight way, I, I get why he would say that because Yoshida is streaky. Like he goes on these runs where he's just unbelievable and the dude's a machine and he's the guy you want up. Um, and then he'll be kind of quiet. You know, he might have a two for four game, but it's it's a very non-consequential two for four because, you know, the offense around him was kind of quiet and it, it just is what it is. And then uh, you'll get to points where he's hitting nothing but ground balls to the second baseman and getting thrown out. And then what follows that is at least one or two off days. And he's very finicky that way. So... For a guy who's only 30 and should be in the prime of his career, I, I hope next year there's, you know, the streaks are fewer and far between. Uh, hopefully he'll need less off days. He's probably going to be a DH at some point anyway, uh, you know, in the next few years. So, um, and then theoretically, if he's going to be a DH, he should need far less time off. But, um, but I get what he's saying, but he's just one hot streak away. If he's, you know, if he's 11 for 27 this week, that's going to be, you know, you're not talking about that anymore. And he is certainly capable of uh, going on a run like that. So we'll see. Th- these next two series, Houston and Los Angeles, those are those are good teams to make an impression with because they haven't seen him yet. So... We'll uh, we'll see what kind of a week he does have. Absolutely, Nick. Why don't you hit us with your second hot take? Nick, you're on mute. I am on mute. Sorry about that, Cody. This comes from Kessler Brock. The take is this team will finish four or five games out of the playoffs. Not quite good enough, and they have a tough schedule the rest of the way. I think we could probably all say that this one is probably right in the lines of being the most agreeable take that we've had this evening. This is the make or break point for the Red Sox right now. So it's a great point that this person brings out right here is you have your Houston's, you have your Dodgers, you got Houston again, and then you can't really discount the Royals. I mean, that's a team that's got some young people, young players and everything ready to go. So he can't be a throwaway game from anything. You have Tampa upcoming again, the Yankees again, an Orioles series. The schedule that they have upcoming is one of the toughest, if not the toughest schedule in Major League Baseball right now. 
it's uh, it's prove it time. So it all starts tomorrow against Houston. It's the opportunity that the Red Sox have right at their doorsteps. They know this is a business trip. They take care of this business trip and they win and they secure their steps up in this wild card. And hey, maybe even the division, they get the job job done here. But I think this four or five games out is very accurate. I think they're going to come up just short and it's going to be another uh, October where there's no baseball. That's how I see it, at least. Terry, what are your thoughts? Well, um, it sounds like Mr. Brock has been listening to the Bastards of Boston a little too much. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's basically where we're at. So we, we've bastardized him. Um, it is a tough schedule. I was just looking at the Royals, and they've actually gone on quite a skid. And we're, what, uh, 10 or 11 games away from playing them, but... They did drop three out of four to the Mariners um, after we got done with them. And they just dropped two out of three against the Cubs. So uh, Cubs have been hot anyway. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the Red Sox schedule is pretty tough in a lot of divisional games. Uh, the, the Rays will be a different team this time around. Different pitching staff. Probably not going to have Wander Franco in there. Raising any hell uh, in the batter's box and on the base pass. So uh, we'll see. And uh, in regards to Franco, we did kind of uh, not so much a deep dive necessarily, but we uh, we did kind of uh, get into that topic on the Bastards Roundtable show. So if you haven't heard that and you want uh, some more content, we uh, we certainly got into that. But yeah, I I expect the Red Sox to stay stubbornly probably four to six games out of it for the remainder uh, would be my expectation. Unfortunately, the deck is stacked against the Red Sox, right? Uh, I think it is the strongest strength of schedule uh, remaining out of all the teams. We're up against it, right? It's put up or shut up time. Um, you know, the teams that are in front of us are well put together teams, whether it be Houston, Seattle, or or Toronto. You know, these teams, we you know we we got a three game sweep this weekend, and we picked up half a game, right? And the optimist in me picked them to to snag that third wild card spot. I'm still holding out hope. I think this team is is grinding and fighting and clawing uh, to to get into that spot, but. This this next 10 game stretch is really going to be telling if it's in the cards or not. And the only thing that I'm kind of holding out hope for is we've played really well against teams that have a 500 record or better. Right. It's it's those teams that are below 500 that we tend to you know kind of stumble up over our own feet on. So um, I don't think it's a wildly hot take. I think there's a lot of merit to it. I don't you know, it, it's hard to argue uh, that they would end up four or five games out. But um, I'd like to believe Terry, why don't you hit us with your second hot take of the evening? So we have another Anon account, and uh, he's bashing me in his hot take. Uh, let's pull up his bio. He is from Brookline, Massachusetts. And uh, his bio is a little weird and has some potential Nazi-type references. Uh, I'm not sure. So we won't get into that. But uh, he is one of my haters, uh, <laughs> and uh, so here's what he has to say. Uh, the FBI should probably raid the home, and then he puts in parentheses, mom's basement, 
of the weird old guy bastard who is always bagging on Bloom. I bet he's got some photo shrine set up to him and somehow brought some of his hair off the web and made a Heimdall that he's raising as his own. So, you know, as far as that take goes, I'll just say this. If next July rolls around and Heim's still here, and I put it at about 50-50, whether he is or not, but if he is still here, and we're not in a wild card spot, that whole take will probably be true. And I'll just leave it at that. Nick, care to follow that? <laughs> uh, Terry and I both lost our moms. I Terry this year. I lost mine a few years back. I'm not going anywhere near this. Okay. I, all I have to say is team mom. And uh, my uh, parents don't. And have I have a, nothing against the basement, by the way. I have nothing against it. My parents don't have a basement. We're an attic. So. I don't have a basement either. I just have a flat downstairs. Okay. Our basement got flooded when our house was built way back in the day with four feet of water. So they decided to uh, put the foundation in from there. So, yeah. Yeah, Terry, you know, having spent uh, quite a few hours chatting socks with you, whether it be on the podcast or in the war room or just, you know, before and after we record, uh, if you've got this shrine built out, you're definitely doing it off camera uh, and you're <laughs> hiding it very well. Um, it is it is quite an interesting take. Um, I would be, you know, first to say I'd be very shocked if this were if this were true. Um, but not really much uh, that you can add to this. Don't, you know, I, I stoke just, any potential flames. I just wonder, like, what I was getting at is what type of sanity will I still have uh, after another year of this is what I'm. Yeah. Well, we will definitely be able to to watch closely. You guys will be talking me off some ledges. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if I'm still here and, yeah. and we suck. If he's still here and we're good, then, hey, you know, more power to him. But. Well, moving on to the final hot take of the evening, uh, the one that I have chosen has come from uh, Nick York for MVP. They say Dahlbeck comes up in September and gets hot with the opportunities he gets to hit. Now, we've all watched Bobby Dahlbeck mash in Worcester, Worcester excuse me, um, taking over Ruzne Castillo's wonder of, uh, you know, classic 4A type ball player. I think he's hitting, what, 275 with 36 home runs, something crazy. Uh, the only reason I pause with this take is is he's still striking out at about a 35% clip in AAA. He's got 136 strikeouts and I think 398 um, plate appearances. And, you know, I know he's he kind of plays casino baseball. It's all or nothing, right? When he hits it, it goes a long way, but uh, there's not a lot of singles. There's not a lot of doubles. There's not a lot of other things in the mix. And, you know, short of a Turner or Casas, uh, injury. I don't really know where you put him on on the major league ball club. Uh, I know the rosters will expand here in a little bit, but um, I just don't see a path. Nick, what are your thoughts? The only way that that happens if the Red Sox are completely out of it early September here, and Bobby D finds some time playing all around the diamond, whether he's at third or short or who knows. I do not want to see Bobby Dahl back up here again. I don't. I don't. It's not going to translate well, folks. He's striking out 
ridiculously um, amounts up down in Worcester. I mean, just like Cody said, he's at 136 strikeouts right now, just down in Worcester. He's got a 275 average, got the homers, got the RBIs. But when you translate that up to the big league club, he's probably going to strike out 40, 50% of the time when he's up there. He has got to find a way of cutting down that, that K rate. Otherwise, he is never going to make it back to the major leagues. He's just not. And in my opinion, I feel like he needs another chance somewhere else. I don't think we'll ever see him back with the Red Sox doing anything, bearing injury or whatnot. I mean, look at Jaron Duran this year. Did we ever think that that whole thing was going to happen? So never say never. That would mean like Casas or something awful happens to Justin Turner or something like that. But he's worn out. He's worn out the welcome way too many times. It's not going to happen. Terry, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think Heim at some point must have been, you know, on one hand, I've got Justin Turner who's hobbling around like a pirate. And then on the other hand, I have Bobby Dahlback, and he's kind of weighing both of his hands like, yeah, which route should I go? Eh, give me Turner. And um, furthermore, your backup first baseman presently is a guy named Pablo Reyes, according to Alex Cora. So um, they're going to go with a guy who's never done it before rather than call up Bobby Dahlbeck. So that just shows you where the, the confidence level is uh, for Dahlbeck. And interestingly, he didn't get moved at the deadline. I, I think there was an expectation uh, amongst a, a large faction of Red Sox fans that he could be in a package uh, for someone, but they didn't move him. So uh, it's impossible to know if there was interest, if, if Heim was fielding calls to um, see if Dahlbeck might be available. I tried to make a case earlier in the season that maybe Dombrowski might make a play for him because, you know, Hoskins has been out with an ACL or something like that. And, you know, maybe for depth, they, they could have brought in Dahlbeck. But um, that didn't happen, and he's still in Worcester. So maybe maybe the Bobby Dahlbeck statue will go right next to the Rusny Castillo uh, Worcester statue. And uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he was hitting the ball. He was mashing it all over the yard leading up to the trade deadline. And I really thought that there was some momentum. We kept seeing the clips on on X or Twitter or MLB, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought there was a real a real likelihood that he might have been might have been moved at the deadline. And when he didn't, I was like, man, I don't know what we're going to do, do with Dahlbeck moving forward if we can't get a, a trade partner for him. But uh, you know, maybe he finds it somewhere else. I think Nick nailed it on the head there. I think his his days in you know, a, a Red Sox major league uniform are, are over. Is there anything else that you uh, gentlemen wanted to add to tonight for the hot take Tuesday episode? Just real quick, uh, a little clarification. So that Gretchen's resurrection, I, I thought it was like Nazi references, but it wasn't exactly the word Twitter. Reich was in there, but he was complaining about uh, pre Elon Twitter was all. So just wanted to clear that up. An important clarification. What do you got there, Nick? You got to like mine as well that I put up there tonight with the whole Justin Turner. The Red Sox would be nowhere near 500 without Justin Turner. I don't know what you guys thought on on that one. I don't think it was hot enough to make it in the show. Oh, come on. 
Nick's I'm, I'm gasoline with you, on man. it. Yeah. yeah. I, Too I, good of a take. I think well, Jaron Duran is the guy who really saved us in the first half. I agree with that. that I do too. Yeah. I mean, because Turner was brought in as an impact guy and he has been, he's just been a little more impactful than what we anticipated we, with Jaron Duran just stepping up. And I think we've been fortunate with Crawford and Pavetta as well have played big roles in it, but, but Duran, I think has bailed us out the most. Yeah, I mean, that hot start Duvall had, and for him to go on the injured list and Duran to step in and pretty much no drop-off in production from that sizzling start is is rather remarkable. Right. All righty. Well, that'll wrap it up for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank you. Everyone have a great night and take care.